This episode of the Children's Literature Podcast is brought to you by A Red Red Rose. There aren't many in the Northern Hemisphere this time of year, but that makes them all the lovelier. Welcome to the Children's Literature Podcast. I'm your host, T.Q. Townsend. This episode is about Robert Burns. It's easy to forget in the modern day when cultural lines are constantly blurred, but Scotland actually is its own nation within the United Kingdom. If you forget that, just talk to a Scottish person and you will be reminded. For American listeners, think of it like the proud, distinct identity that Texans have, but dialed up to 11. There are many Scots who are rightly celebrated. Adam Smith is the father of the field of economics. Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. And Sean Connery is the original James Bond. But no Scot is more celebrated and beloved than Robert Burns. Before I begin to wax poetic about my favorite poet, I wanted to say thanks to those of you who have been listening in and giving feedback on my reviews of the episodes of the new Percy Jackson TV series, which is based on the books by Rick Reardon. I don't ever want this show to devolve into yet another bit of online ranting about TV and movies, but some adaptations are too influential to ignore. I've been pleasantly surprised at the quality of the show, which is bringing the novel The Lightning Thief to the screen. Let me know if you're enjoying these bonus episodes, and if there's anything else you'd like me to review in the future. Also, I've recently added the show's feed to YouTube, Pandora, and Stitcher, so you can find the show there if that's where you prefer to listen. It's been fun to watch the show grow, and I really appreciate those of you who reach out with emails, private messages, comments, or ratings. I know I say it all the time, but thanks for listening. This week, on January 25th, Robert Burns turns 265 years old. I can only imagine the parties that will happen in 2059 when he turns 300. It's traditional to have what's called a Robbie Burns Night, or Burns Supper, each year to celebrate his birthday. The first Burns Night was held five years after the poet's death by his friends in his childhood home in Alloway, which in the 18th century was an itty-bitty village in southwest Scotland. It's still an itty-bitty village today, and that seems to suit everyone just fine. Robert Burns didn't write poetry specifically for children, but that's only because he wrote it for everybody. That makes him an ideal poet to introduce to older children and teenagers. It used to be common for kids to memorize poems by Robert Burns to recite in school, and his works that focus on nature and animals make wonderful introductions to the world of poetry. Robert Burns' life and work also provides a historical perspective that is still relevant today. He was born at a time when the process of globalization and industrialization was just beginning. Minority cultures, such as that of rural Scotland, were very much at risk of being wiped out by the dominant forces that radiated up from London. So, at a time when the trend was to walk away from the past toward a new, homogenized technological future, Robert Burns wholeheartedly embraced his rural, old-fashioned culture, which comfortably blended the historical forces that have shaped Scotland. His poetry is very often set to music, and you've certainly heard or sung words penned by him, whether or not you know it. Songs like 
a red, red rose, Highland Mary, and Auld Lang Syne were all written by Burns. Robert Burns grew up speaking Scots, a language which is not the indigenous Gaelic language of native Celts, but a variety of Middle English that was spoken in the lowlands of Scotland. The Scots language resulted from the waves of Scandinavian immigration that came to the island of Britain beginning in the 5th century. Over the centuries, the dialect of English that comes from London has washed over the island with its political and cultural dominance, pushing other varieties further and further out into the sea. Anything other than proper English, as spoken by the upper class, was considered uncouth and unworthy of being used to craft great art. Burns was one of the first writers to demonstrate that great poetry can be written in one's own natural voice, paving the way for many other Romantic nationalist artists who rose to fame after his death in 1796. Today, Scots is an endangered language. It's been steadily replaced by mainstream English over the years and may vanish by the next generation. But the poetry of Robert Burns pushes back against this and helps Scotland preserve its own distinct linguistic and cultural heritage. And this isn't just an interesting but useless history lesson. When children learn about all of this, it can help them avoid picking up any snobbery against people who use dialects that haven't historically been considered important or proper, whatever that means. Robert Burns earned his place as a literary legend in a lot of ways. His poetry is thoughtful and interesting and often pretty funny. The rhythm and cadence of his work is infused with an ancient vocabulary and rich visual imagery. It transports you to the far-flung corners of rural Scotland. And it doesn't hurt that Robert Burns was, like, really hot. I'm not even saying that as a joke. Look up a picture of this dude and you'll be like, oh yeah, he can read me some poetry anytime. Poetry has slowly slipped out of fashion, and that's a shame, because unlike the pretentious stuff that comes from other well-known poets, there's a simple, unvarnished beauty in Robert Burns' poems. Burns grew up poor, and he spent his short life as an ordinary man. His education was not highbrow or even consistent. And yet, for all that, he became a prolific poet, social commentator, and preserver of folklore. He disagreed with the idea that his regional dialect was inferior to the way posh people spoke, and he openly celebrated ordinary lives and concerns, from the landscape Scottish people lived in to the very words they used to express themselves. He lived only 37 years, and yet managed to become one of the most important writers in history. Burns' suppers have a traditional program that involves reading the funny poem addressed to a haggis, playing the bagpipes, and eating lots of tasty traditional foods. If these celebrations are unfamiliar to you and your kids, it might be hard to do the whole thing, but I think you can manage a bit of a celebration if you try. Robert Burns' poetry is impossible to separate from the Scots dialect. Many of the vocabulary words in these poems aren't used in other dialects of English, and the pronunciation of the words affects the meter and the rhyme scheme of many of the poems. Unless these words can be delivered in the correct way, they sound broken. This is an interesting opportunity to discuss how dialect affects the meaning and style of literature. In class or at home, you can ask your kids to examine a poem by Robert Burns, spotting unfamiliar words, and learning how they're used in the Lowland Scots dialect. This can show children how, even within what's technically the same language, there can be massive differences. 
This can also open a conversation about the way that dialects from rural and less powerful areas have been historically treated as less important. I wanted to share some of Robert Burns' poetry with you, and I'm very grateful to have been helped by two women who can deliver his words far better than I could. These poems are so beautiful, but they can also be difficult to understand if you're unfamiliar with the Scots language or the accents of people from Scotland. When playing these poems at home or in class for your kids, it would be useful to have printed versions of them available so they can read along and identify unfamiliar words. You can find all of Robert Burns' poetry at robertburns.org. The first reading is Address to a Haggis, which is the most important poem read during a Burns supper. It manages to be funny and elegant at the same time, which is not an easy thing to pull off. It's presented to you by Kate, who has previously contributed to the show. You can find her on Instagram at Discipling the Home. She's from Angus, on the east coast of Scotland, just north of the Firth of Tay, and you'll hear the pleasant trilling of the R's that's part of her dialect as she speaks. Address to a Haggis Fair fire your honest sonsy face, great chieftain of the pudding race, Aboon the ma ye tack your place, pinch, tripe, or therm. Weel are ye worthy of a grace as lang's my arm. The groaning trencher there ye fill, your hurdies like a distant hill, your pin would help to mend a mill in time o' need. I'll throw your pores the dews distill like amber bead. His knife see rustic labour dight, and cut ye up with ready slight, trenching your gushing entrails bright like ony ditch. And then... Oh, what a glorious sight, warm reeking, rich. Then horn for horn they stretch and strive, deal tack the hindmost on they drive, till a their wheel-swalled kites belive are bent like drums. Then old goodman mayst like to rive, bethank it hums. Is there that our his French ragout or olio that wad stow a sow, or fricassee wad macker spew we perfect sconner? Looks down with sneering scorn for view on sick a dinner. Poor devil, see him out his trash, as feckless as a withered rash, his spindle shank a good whiplash, his knee a knit, throw bloody flood or field to dash, oh how unfit. But mark the rustic haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clapping his wally neva blade, he'll mack it whistle, and legs and arms and heads will sned like taps of thristle. Ye powers wha mak mankind your care, and dish them out their bill of fare. Old Scotland wants nae sinking ware that jops and luggies. But if ye wish her grateful prayer, gear a haggis. Next we'll hear a reading from Eileen MacLean, who hails from the western Scottish Highlands. Her dialect is quite different from those of Glasgow, Edinburgh, or the lowlands that Robert Burns called home and has a lilting quality that is shared by many Irish dialects. That makes sense, as this region of Scotland historically often had closer ties with Ireland than anywhere else. Here's Eileen reading Afton Water, her favorite Burns poem, and one that she first recited in school at the age of nine or ten. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes, Flow gently, I'll sing thee a song in thy praise. My Mary's sleep by thy murmuring stream. 
Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Thou stock dove whose echo resounds through the glen, ye wild whistling blackbirds in yon thorny den. Thou green-crested lapwing, thy screaming forbear, I charge you, disturb not my slumbering fear. How lofty, sweet Afton, thy neighbouring hills, far marked with the courses of clear winding rills. There daily I wander as noon rises high, my flocks and my Mary's sweet cot in my eye. How pleasant thy banks and green valleys below, where wild in the woodlands the primroses blow. There oft, as mild evening leaps over the lea, the sweet-scented burk shades my Mary and me. Thy crystal stream often, how lovely it glides, and winds by the cots where my Mary resides. How wanton thy waters her snowy feet lave, as gathering sweet flowerets she stems thy clear wave. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes. Flow gently, sweet river, the theme of my lays. My Mary's asleep by thy murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. To finish up, Kate is back to read to a mouse, which is a charming and almost heartbreaking poem that shows us no creature is too small to be worth a poet's attention. In this poem, a plowman considers how his efforts to prepare a field for planting are undoing the efforts of a mouse who had built a home beneath the soil. The plowman apologizes to the mouse and recognizes how the collision of each living thing's needs can't be avoided. We sleek at cowerin' timorous beastie, oh what a panic's in thy breastie! Thou need na start a wassy hasty wi bickering brattle. I would be laith to rin and chase thee wi murderin' pattle. And through this sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union, and justifies that ill opinion which makes thee startle at me, thy poor earth-born companion and fellow mortal. I doot na whiles, but thou may thieve. What then, poor beastie, thou mon live? A dayminicker and a thrave, it's a small request. I'll get a blessing with the lave and never miss it. Thy wee bit hoosie too and ruin, it's silly. Was the winds are strewing, and Nathan now to big a new ain of foggage green, and bleak December winds ensuing, baith snell and keen. Thou saw the fields laid bare and waste, and weary winter coming fast, and cosy here beneath the blast thou thought to dwell till crash the cruel cooter passed out through thy cell. That wee bit heap o' leaves and stibble has cost thy money a weary nibble. Now thou's turned out for a' thy trouble, but house or howled, to thaw the winter's sleety dribble and cranruch called. But, Moosey, thou art know thy lane, improving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes o' mice and men gang after glee, and lee is naught but grief and pain for promised joy. Still thou art blessed compared wi' me, the present only toucheth thee, but och, I backward cast my eye on prospects drear, 
and forward, though I cannot see, I guess, and fear. Many, many thank yous again to Kate and Eileen. I actually couldn't have done this without you. I'll think of you both with gratitude next time I sing Auld Lang Syne. If any of you listeners find a way to celebrate Robert Burns this week, let me know. I'd love to hear what you did to celebrate a poet well worth remembering. You've been listening to the Children's Literature Podcast. Please subscribe and give the show a rating. Send comments to letters at childrensliteraturepodcast.com. I'm your host, TQ Townsend. Thanks for listening.